Welcome to SaaS Theory Podcast, a place for deep dive conversations and strategic talks with SaaS founders and decision makers. Today, we're joined by Vedran Rasik, who's based in Canada. He's currently the co-founder and CEO at Lead Delta. Previously, he co-founded Autoclose, a company acquired by VanillaSoft in 2020. Apart from starting and selling companies, he's also investing and buying software startups and indie projects. And by the way, he's in my top 10 people to follow on LinkedIn. He's sharing lots of interesting insights and stories. Vedran is the person you can learn from about startup, entrepreneurship, marketing, sales, and everything else in the SaaS handbook. Vedran, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me here, Victoria. It's, it's a real pleasure to meet you and to talk to you about SaaS and startups. Same, same. But we'll start talking about something more interesting. I actually wanted to kick off this conversation with a post you published on LinkedIn and Twitter a few days ago. But I won't do that because a few minutes ago, I saw another post you published on LinkedIn, which is hugely personal because you said yeah. that on this day, 2018, your wife and you landed in Canada. And prior to that, you had, oh my God, what a story. Like the whole world crashed on your shoulders, full of struggles, with problems. Can you tell me a little bit? I, I know that it's, it's an intimate story, mm. but this will... Uh, help us understand you better. Could you tell me uh, more about this story? No, absolutely. And and in all honesty, it's it's just weird on so many levels because I I I did want to share. I had a I had a strong push to share for for a few years, but then I just kept postponing. And uh, but we do have it in our calendar, kind of to celebrate the date because it's not like you know um, moving to another country like hundred years ago. However, it is important because it, we embarked on a journey as a team. Uh, my wife and I, and uh, that's why it's so important. And it also happens to be uh, a Saint Sava day, which is a big educational reformist uh, from the you know 10th, 11th century. So, uh, so you know, it it, it kind of it, it has different symbols. But uh, going back to your question, so you know, I I figured out um, if if I want to do business at mass scale um, in 2016, 2017, I really wanted to. Uh, go to North America because I figured out that the system, um, you know, the people you meet there, um, the the marketplace, um, and all that is just uh, potent for 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 business. And so I always wanted to try myself out in a much bigger market, because all the way up to that point, I was mainly in Central Eastern Europe, Serbia, Croatia, Austria, um, and some a little bit of uh, Germany and Switzerland. So I was in that area basically operating, um, and. You know, and I, I told back then my, my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm going to Canada um, and in six months we're going to be together. I'm going to figure it out and it's all going to be good. And she trusted me, but she was also like, what the hell, right? Um, so six months in, we have some initial funding. We are, we're building a product. It's a beautiful looking product. It's a, it's a web app, mobile app, iOS, Android, you name it. We have it all. However, we don't have a business model, right? Um, and we burned through $150,000, if not more. Um, I was the, the operating officer and, and basically I was, I was running the whole, the whole operation. And I was pretty lonely in that whole business. Um, I was interviewing different investors, like trying to really uh, get to the bottom what we need to, to make a pivot and to make it. Uh, but we couldn't sell. We couldn't get any, any funding. And eventually we had to shut down the operation. But that's not it, right? That's just piece of a piece of a, of a bigger problem, which is I had a huge uh, leg and back problem. Uh, it hurt me basically every evening and I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't sleep. Um, 
and I had zero health problems before and thank God, right? Like, and, and I didn't have any issues. So um, anyways, I have to pack up my stuff. I'm completely financially broke. Health uh, is, is like, you know, is, is, is not in, in a good condition for sure. Um, and, you know, you're going back to your country and it, it almost feels like you're a failure, right? Um, but I just knew that that's number one thing that I can't let cloud my judgment. So that was the only thing that I said, like, you know, you're, that's, that's not factual. This is in a, in a time, if you look at 100 years or 50 years, this is just one year or one month and it's just irrelevant, right? And so um, I figured out who my supporters are. So people who give me um, uh, good, you know, help me to, to, to come to a good conclusion, to good conclusions and have good judgment. Um, everybody else, I basically left aside. So that was a, that was a huge, uh, a big move, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, upon, upon landing, and, and that's probably the part that I, that I skipped, upon landing in, in Serbia, like my friends are like, dude, like just go check, check, check up on you, right? Like go see a doctor. And, um, and you know, what they figured out is I have something. And this is the worst thing they, they tell you, right? Especially to an entrepreneur who is like, you know, in a way we like to control things. We like to make sure we know we're in the known. And so for the whole day, they're like researching and doing things and nodding their heads. And I'm like, come on, just tell me, like, tell me you're, you're going to die tomorrow, but at least I can prepare, right? Whatever. So, and it, it turns out to be like a tumor on my, my hip. They can't reach it out. It hurts like hell. Um, and it's just going to get worse. Um, and they don't really know what to do. Um, they give me medicine. In all honesty, you take one pill, it's everything's perfect, right? Like you, you take one pill, it's done, no pain. But then I figured out like, that's not the right thing to do. So I skipped drinking pills and, and whatnot. And I just, you know, I, main, I maintain the pain as much as I can with, uh, with, um, with food and, you know, um, exercise, stretching and things like that. Um, but then, um, I get, I got a call from Google, um, to, to go to Dublin for an interview, um, for, for a director of Adriatic region position. I forgot in which department I, it's irrelevant at this point. Um, and I'm in the finals. Okay. Not bad. Um, and as an entrepreneur, it might be, might be, um, interesting to share with your audience. Um, whenever I was in a big, big, big struggle, uh, because I don't have any background, I don't have, you know rich family or big bank account, I always looked for the B option, right? And I would always turn to big tech and big tech would always say, no, <laughs> that includes Dropbox. That includes Google, like the big guys, because whenever I go into a final round, it's always like, you know, ah, there's something missing. Right. Uh, and it's good. I mean, in all honesty, that's, that's the best thing that could happen. But one thing that I didn't share in my post, which is very, very interesting, is when I was on my, on my plane back from Dublin to through Frankfurt to, to Belgrade airport, my doctor was in there. And I mean, obviously, you can share all the things in, in a LinkedIn post. And, and that, that's one of the funny stories. And he's like, man, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're, you're sick. And I'm like, don't ask. Like, I can't be in a single spot. So anyways, I, I, I you know. And one thing that I can share here with people is like, um, you know, doctors are human beings. Okay. So that means that they're extremely smart. They also make mistakes. So if you want to help yourself uh, and you speak English, do read studies. Don't read the easy peasy thing. Like read studies, try and understand the issue and be a healthy participant in that conversation with a doctor. 
without obviously overstepping the borders because that will help them stay awake and alert. So what we managed to figure out between um, uh, a team of doctors is that uh, this has a potential to be benign and, um, you know, and, and it looks like it, like it could be, and it looks like it could shrink over time. So they said, listen, if it's a, an enormous pain, we'll do a surgery. And if not, you know, try and keep up at it. And that's when we decided, you know, F everything, let's pack up and just leave, you know, let's not stay uh, into thinking what could be, you know, if this and that, right. So let's just do it. And my wife and I, we, we packed up our, our stuff, like last, literally last dollars on a bank account. We invested in Airbnb and the plane moved to Toronto. Um, and that was, that was um, a long description of that kind of story that, that uh, took, I think, uh, almost a year uh, of just, you know, being in a vacuum. Um, and and I, I mean, from since I first landed to, to, to Toronto uh, until this got resolved and uh, we were together on this day four years ago in Toronto. And uh, yeah, but that, that's a whole other story then, the new beginning, right? Yeah, and congratulations for that. I actually, first of all, I wanted to comment that, well, I mean, you had all the, the entire world, world on your shoulders and you just decided to remove yourself from that space and just leave it and go start fresh. That's a very interesting you know, mindset that you put your brain in a completely new environment and you start doing things completely different. And this obviously has an impact on your day-to-day -day life, on your how you feel. It's, it's, it's a very interesting strategy. Well, and it's brave. It's brave. I appreciate that, Victoria. And so, so one thing there uh, that I've learned from one of my friends and, and advisors and, and whatnot um, is um, when, when you get so deep into a problem and you're trying to solve it and you can't and the way the brain works you really want to zoom out and relax a little bit and the way i zoom out and and i uh, um, recommend it to other entrepreneurs is just look at the imagine imagine your 300 year plan yeah <laughs> like really zoom out um because then what happens today and yesterday or maybe even tomorrow it becomes completely irrelevant Right. And, and so I'm not saying stay there because that's called dreaming, but, uh, you know, switch between very focused and, you know, very zoomed out kind of uh, type of uh, type of, you know, approach mentality, however you want to call it. It's, I think you know, that. I think that the owner of SoftBank, he came, I mean, he's doing this, he has this strategy. He has right. like a 300 year plan, growth plan for SoftBank, right. and he's taking all the decisions today, considering the long term uh, vision. Correct. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it can be your family trust. It can be like just thinking about your family in the future and, you know, how the life's going to look like. I mean, to me, it helped me also understand what are the key pillars of society and, you know, uh, you know, things like transportation, food, uh, communication, right? Like the big pillars and, and how I want to think about the future. Because right now, sure, I'm in SaaS, I'm building um, products. I had some success up to 1 million ARR. You know, I'm trying to push the boundaries, but I'm also thinking like what's going to be in like 10, 20, 30 years. And in all honesty, all that helps you, right? Because eventually things that you can't influence, you cannot, you just can't. What you want to do is, again, remove everybody else that is a distraction in those moments of pain and just have your key uh, commandants or like your key supporters around you because like they're the ones who are giving you energy and helping you solve the, the problem. Otherwise, just... It's not going to work. You're just going to pity yourself, right? Like, and that's, that's never good. So you landed in Canada <laughs> yeah. and then autoclose happened. 
and then autoclose happened exactly because <laughs> what's um, the story behind autoclose yeah and it's it's actually my, my buddy sean finder he he actually shared that story so um one of the people that uh that 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 was with me from the beginning and that helped me come to canada on that first startup is my really good friend marco dinich um so he 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 moved to canada right in the middle of the war when he was like very young um so he he's you know really partially a canadian um, and so we worked together on the first project. It was very successful. And uh, then we built, I helped him build that second project, which, which I d joined um, in Canada. Um, and also he had a friend, uh, Sean Finder, who I managed to hang out, uh, you know, multiple times with. And we, we, we thinkered marketing and MarTech and sales and like, you know, really trying to, uh, to understand the landscape and how can we play within it. Um, and so, and, you know, we were meeting regularly i'd say once a month um and crazy thing is they would be always so focused on solving problems and, and and whatnot that we never zoomed out like what is he building what am i intrinsically building what do we care about etc so when i came back to toronto i had a couple of interviews i was you know interviewing founders investors and whatnot and i didn't really like anything um and uh, most of the offers were like not an industry or something i want to be involved in and, and in all honesty this is also one key lesson because when it's hard, then you can see how, how strong you are, right? And, and where's the mindset at, et cetera. Because I wasn't afraid of working, but I just didn't want to spend another year or two or three in something that I intrinsically don't care about. In all honesty, I couldn't care less about the um, second, how do you say that? I even forgot, like the automotive, um, you know, secondary kind of second tier market. Like I just couldn't care less. I, I, I didn't have a car up to all, I was 30, 31, right? Now I have it because I live in a house like far away from the, from the, uh, from the stores and city and whatnot. I always lived downtowns and like, I always made sure that proximity to work is like five to 10 minutes anyways. So like, just don't get in things that you're not passionate about, like as simple as that. Um, and so Sean did share, well, dude, I'm just starting a project and we, we've been building it in stealth mode for a year. Um, you know, I have a landing page and, you know, I need my growth person. Would you like to join me? And I was like, sure, of course. And, and we immediately set out, set out the, the plan. Um, and in all honesty, the guys, the guys did lay out the, the options plan and they wanted me at the table. Uh, but obviously um, I had to fight for it and to earn it, uh, which is, which is exactly how it's supposed to be. Um, so six months in, we're, 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 we launched the product in, in March, 2018. Um, we were already profitable, um, already had a, had a very strong growth. Um, and, um, you know, and that's, that's when I slowly took over, uh, the business side or the, the, uh, the revenue side of the operation. So, so yeah. For those who don't know, could you describe a little bit autoclose? It's a sales, uh, it's software. a sales engagement yeah. product. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it was so we made a very um, we, we made a very cool distinction, I'd say, on the market because, you know, at some point it became so popular to do multi-channel outreach, which is you have LinkedIn, you have email, and kind of bringing it all together in a single platform. Well, we said we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is email only. You know, we believe mm -hmm. in email. Um, uh, you know, you can use it every part of the way. You know, from from extremely cold to extremely warm. Um, you know, it saves time. Uh, it's a growth SaaS product, which means you can sell it quickly because everybody wants to grow, right? That's the easiest thing to sell and market. Um, and, uh, 
you know, and the product was sort of a um, store of record, meaning once you have your data in there, you really don't want to go out. You don't want to churn. So it was a really cool product. Um, and um, with with uh, the founding team and, and then the amazing team from Belgrade office, Toronto, et cetera, uh, we, we, you know, we managed to take it to, to one mil RR. Um, and, um, you know, it was completely bootstrapped. Uh, you offered uh, subscription or enterprise plans? Uh, subscription. Or, uh-huh. and, and, and so here's the, here's the best part. So um, it's very helpful in SaaS if you can have multiple products at, at different levels that you can offer to your users so that you satisfy the, uh, your regular Joe, you know, like a single person kind of type of business um, and that you can satisfy teams and then even enterprises. We weren't on the enterprise side. We were mainly in the small business side. Uh, but there's plenty of business there and, and the place where you come from, um, uh, you know, Pipedrive, right? Uh, so Pipedrive really worked with, with small teams and individuals and they were hugely successful. So it's not really that you need to work with enterprise clients to make, have a successful SaaS. So um, we did have individual plans, we had team plans, and most importantly, we had the data. So uh, why is that important? Well, if you have an engine or email automation, but you don't have the fuel or data, there's no use in it. Right. What exactly do you mean by data? So you could go in side auto close and you still can um, and filter down your ideal customer profiles and uh, go after a particular target group that you, that can benefit the most from your product. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, you are the chief revenue officer at auto close. And can you tell right. me more about your responsibilities? So I, I led a cross-functional team of um, basically everywhere from, uh, from um, uh, sales development through account executives and then eventually through uh, customer, to customer success um, and support. Um, and on top of that, the marketing team. Um, so I had my, my person responsible for marketing and growth initiatives. And then she had her own uh, team of supporters and vendors and suppliers. Um, so the whole idea was uh, at a certain point in time, um, CEO couldn't manage all of us. Like we couldn't all be in a line because it's just too many people, too many direct reports. Um, and in all honesty, the, the operation was struggling. So the, the suggestion was to really go um, into a, what I, what I joke, uh, you know, a beast KPI mode, meaning, you know, optimizing and, 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 and tracking um, and really try to do the proper revenue attribution, um, but also um, organize teams so that you have a healthy number of direct reports. And I know, uh, you know, nowadays that's not so popular. You know, uh, now currently the most popular thing is we're all remote. We don't talk to each other. We just text each other and it's all great. But, you know, most businesses don't operate that way. And, you know, I think both is fine. You know who you have on the team and both is fine. Um, We were fully remote. Uh, Well, as a matter of fact, we had an office downtown Toronto, um, Richmond Church for, for a little while. And then we just dumped it and uh, we were uh, completely remote from that moment on. And like I said, I, I led a cross-functional team mainly comprised of uh, customer experience, sales and marketing people. So, mm-hmm. so you the were... business side, like as I, as uh-huh. I like to say, you know, uh, yeah. 
So you are working based on KPIs or OKRs, more so or less? We, so w once we got acquired, we moved into OKRs uh, mm. company-wide. Mm. Um, and it, the initiative came from, from one of our co-founders. Um, and uh, while uh, at AutoClose, the, the, the original team, uh, we had a very simple uh, KPI sheet. Well, not necessarily simple, but uh, a KPI sheet that tracked leading and lagging indicators. Uh, again, very, very lean on because when you look at the financials, you have two, you know, two approaches. You can look, you, you can look at an MMRR, uh, which is amazing. Uh, but in the first few months of a bootstrap company, all you care about is cash, right? So you, you calculate everything you see on the bank account and that's, that's what matters to you. So um, again, maybe not a popular uh, opinion, but um, MRR is super important. And if you're looking for funding, you should optimize your organization for MRR and, and the, the key metrics in unit economics. But if you are a bootstrap founder, uh, I mean, the question is, can you survive the next month? And if you can survive the next, can you survive the, the month after, right? Like what's, what, how many, um, how, what's the runway, right? Like how much, how much money do you have really in the bank? So that's, um, that's how we optimized it, right? Around cash. And, um, um, and so, yeah, like, like the KPI sheet was really important. Uh, the metrics were important. We reported on a, on a weekly basis for almost like 80% of the items. Uh, and you could really see when something's wrong, when something's going well, something's right, etc. cetera. Um, so, yeah. And as a chief revenue officer, uh, could you tell me one revenue strategy that you remember that you said that, okay, I'll try it and I'll do it and you got some good results and I would like to dive deep a little bit into the strategy. Strategy. Um, um, there's, that, that's a very good one. Um, it, it, so there are a couple of strategies and then we can, we can unpack whichever you, one you want. Um, so we really structured the SDR model uh, so that it really works, which means, uh, no, and, and, and one of the key strategies there was not to optimize for, you know, for Victoria and what, what Victoria likes and what she's all about, et cetera. So we didn't try and over-personalize things, but we figured out which group are you part of in a, in a broader sense of an ICP, ideal customer profile. And we really tried to nail down that part. Then content doesn't matter. I don't need to over-personalize it if I touch base on the problem that you have or that group has. And again, very simple. Uh, the most difficult part there is, is, you know, obviously managing a lot of people and getting people in, in, in shape and form. Um, you know, sometimes like 50, 60% of that work can be, you know, boring, especially for people who are just entering the industry. So how do you keep them motivated? How do you organize the structures, et cetera? So all that. Um, so that, that's, that's, I'd say that's one of the sales side. On the marketing side, we really double down on SEO. Um, and one key strategy there is obviously, again, understanding our ideal customer profiles and then aligning the content for their needs, spotting uh, for keywords that are not hard to get, but are still valuable instead of going after like, I don't know, sales engagement, which outreach and sales loft will outbid you any, you know, any day they'll throw like $100,000, $50,000 for a certain keyword. And, and, you know, it's just impossible to compete. Um, so that was, uh, that was uh, together with it, I, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that we didn't start that right from the start uh, because it takes six to 12 months for it to really work. Uh, but then we've achieved like a, a hockey stick. 
Um, and and th that was one of the things. I mean, it's it's a funny story. Like one of the things that that Sean and I really didn't see see an eye to eye is because again, he's he's uh, he feels the most responsible out of all of us, and he's looking at the bank account and like you know that SEO is not gonna bring a dollar tomorrow. Uh, heck, like not even in the first quarter. So like, why would you invest in it, right? So, um, but we did it slowly. We, you know, I first had a consultant, then part-time person, then full-time person, then the team, etc. So we slowly scaled it, um, and and then you know towards the end of the year we were all over the place. Uh, our articles and uh, um, so you know that was that was a big strategy. And the third thing I'd say um, is uh, partnerships. Um, so many people would pay for sponsorships and podcasts and whatnot. And we were in all honesty all over the place, like, um, you know, uh, penetrating different communities. And on top of that, we would, um, we would make a partnership because people would like the product and they would find it useful, working, gorgeous looking, easy to set up. Um, so they would just ask like, well, do you have an affiliate fee? And, you know, we'd build partnerships with no expensive platform in the background. It was just, spreadsheets and just like managing it that way so so those are i'd say the three things um you know the the sdr model the the, the organic uh and partnerships are the three um key pillars now uh, the three of them are, are long-term visions i mean long-term uh, strategies but if mm -hmm. we dial back a bit mm -hmm. and we think about autoclose when it just started and nobody knew about you how did yeah. you acquire your first customers? Because in this case, obviously, you need short-term strategy that they has to give results immediately yeah. now for for you no. to see the money in the bank. Exactly. So, so, so here's the thing. I think uh, the most important thing for for any founder looking to start, uh, if they're not just some wunderkind or like you know they're not just in the like I don't know 0.1 percentile, uh, what you want to do is almost like a build a media company. These are your leverages. Um, so you, you, your, your leverages are either capital, so financial capital, human capital, um, you know, kind of hard to scale, hard to manage, but still capital and, and leverage. Uh, and two best forms of leverage are uh, media, um, because you post one post on LinkedIn and my friend Victoria sees it and, and then she wants to talk about it, etc. So it's a very, very scalable. Um, and the same thing for code. So Sean had, prior to entering the industry, even though it was already crowded, in my honest opinion, and, and I, I thought like, you know, why would you even build like in, 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 in such a crowded space? Well, because you have your own take on the problem and, and you have a media behind you. So Sean already had a very developed like, you know, LinkedIn profile, social media. A lot of people already knew him from, from um, some other ventures. So I think for him, much like it's for me now in Lead Delta, it's very easy to acquire those first few uh, 50 or 100 users. For instance, when we when we launched um, closed beta for Lead Delta, and I had so many bugs, like, I mean, you wouldn't believe, like the platform didn't really work and just horrible experience. Um, I had like over 200 people, you know, uh, my acquaintances and, and people around me that just signed up. Um, so if you don't have that, maybe that's a better question. If you don't have a media lined up before behind you, well, you definitely want to choose a single channel. So is your product more close to Reddit audience, Twitter audience, or LinkedIn audience, or Facebook audience for that matter? Okay, so choose those. Uh, maybe TikTok, but I'm not. I don't, I don't understand that real well. So, anyways, so let's say those four. So you pick and choose one, 
And then much like you said, before we started the call, start engaging, start connecting, start sharing why you, why are you an expert on the topic and why should people follow you? Why should they care about you? So that is, that has to be the first step. Otherwise um, you need to find someone who has a good network to start, or you need to pay. I mean, I don't see really the fourth way. Like, I mean, because there are so many products on a daily basis. But now, because I have media behind me, and, and don't get me wrong, that's not easy. Like, it's, it's hard to satisfy your, your community. So whenever I'm launching an ebook or something, it's not a freaking gimmick to get emails. I'm really trying to help. I try to design it properly. I try to word it properly so that it's useful, right? But at any given day, I go on Product Hunt, I launch something, I get supporters without any push, without any campaigns. Like, I get a whole bunch of support. Um, and just recently, yesterday, we, we went on Product Hunt and I, I we have over 800 downloads of the ebook. So that's okay. what the media can do. Let's, let's not get ahead of that because uh, exactly. I have some question about Product Hunt. We're still at auto close. So when yes. you built the company, did you have a, a, an exit strategy in mind? Did you plan to sell it fast or no. it just happened? It just happened. Uh, not at all. So we didn't have any strategies to sell it. Um, it was a profitable business. Uh, the question was only, um, can you, so the cash, the cash on hand that you can get from a sale, um, how fast can you get to that? Right. Um, and, and, and listen, like it's, it's not really, so when you say it this way, for example, uh, some, some would say, oh, you didn't believe enough in the product, this or that. Um, but it's very easy to be very bold and to have a very strong opinion on the vision of the future. In my mind, those people get to get hurt the most uh, because you can, you can, you know, you can raise capital, you can um, confuse the investors and cloud their judgment because you're charismatic, you're, you're look great and you're, you're sound great. Um, but it's much better if you start tiny. So I have a very big, bold vision about Lead Delta, but in all honesty, it's a Chrome extension. Same thing for AutoClose, right? Like it, it was an email automation tool. That's it. That's what it was. But we had a strong opinion and a vision of how the the uh, the sales world should look like and where's the future. Um, how's the future looking like? And then this opportunity came up. It was COVID, um, and we thought you know this might be a better better option. And so, yeah, we had a debate. We figured it out, like multiple conversations with the other company between us. And, you know, that's it. That I mean, there's no like, oh, we planned it perfectly. I'm sure there are people like that, but uh, not as much as, as, as the audience would think. But how exactly it happened? I mean, yeah. um, Vanilla Soft approached you. They sent you an email. They called yeah. you. Well, that, that part uh, I'm, I'm comfortable sharing. So we were at the conference at, at SAS North um, and we were, there were three of us. We had a booth because we, we've sponsored the, uh, the conference uh, with, uh, you know, with access to platform and whatnot. And so we were, we were there at a the booth and, and people were just approaching and they liked our hoodies and our stuff. And, you know, honestly, not a lot of value. And I'm like, okay, so I can't be here anymore. You guys stay here. You know what? I'm going to go listen to a whole bunch of SaaS talks and, and keynotes. And, uh, and so I remember I was coming back with all my notes and ideas and, and, and whatnot. And Sean's like, well, I think we might get a serious offer 
um, you know, to get acquired. And who? Well, the local company. They're also in sales engagement space. They they practically uh, came up with a keyword, a sales engagement, before it was a thing. Um, and they're looking to just um, you know get get someone on board that you know is currently very active in the space and is a good fit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And honestly, the conversation never ceased to to exist. Right? Like we continuously uh, talked, and for the next six months, um, uh, we. Uh, well, you know, in all honesty, I think it was even the full year of conversations back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and here's here's one piece of an advice for for founders. Um, if I'm to do anything remotely similar, I like to say that I'd have my deal godfathers. What does that mean? Well, I'll I'll have my advisors that I will pay with a success fee that will help set up the framework of the conversation because you waste so much time and energy there. You can't be focused on growth and selling the company and managing the team and finding the capital. Like this is just too much. You're either growing or you're looking to sell, right? Like it's, it's hard to do both. So I'd much rather outsource this to a trustworthy person or group of people um, and have them set up the framework and have them set up, you know, um, get it almost to the finish line so that then I can jump in and have the most value for my time. Otherwise, the operation is suffering. You're not growing as much. You're not hitting targets because it's just hard to do it all together. Right. Um, and um, when, when founders tell me, oh, I'm going to go raise capital and I'm going to grow at a certain rate and I'm going to do this. And then I'm like, hmm, not going to happen unless you can multiply yourself, unless you have four founders, five founders, unless you have advisors, et cetera, because it's, it's hard. It's, it's a job like any other looking to get acquired, looking for funding. Right. So, yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Hopin. Hopin, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like the fastest growing startup in the yes. whole history. Like almost really? they, okay. they have a valuation of eight billion almost in two years. Oh, wow. But yeah, but the, the the founder said that he sent like thousands of emails to investors. I mean, he had the mm -hmm. wrong approach, the wrong strategy. He was yeah. trying to reach out by himself. Mm -hmm. Then he said that actually the strategy is that you have to know somebody who knows somebody and this somebody will introduce you to somebody and this yeah. is how you get an investment. But it's Absolutely. extremely difficult. Absolutely. I mean, and that, that's why we're so passionate about Lead Delta because, you know, that's why we want to, we want to make this easier for all of us. But again, going back to the topic, I think it's, um, it's just super hard. Like, and, you know, people know people. And if you are just uh, a little hermit in a, in a basement, like, and you're just grinding it out, that's awesome. But unless you share it with other human beings, no matter what it is, like, is it sales? Is it hiring? Um, these things are hard for founders. Like, I mean, I have a huge network. And I struggled to uh, to hire uh, my next set of engineers. So um, I went on a, on one podcast, one keynote conference, um, and 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 you know things started paying in spades, right? Like people reaching out to me, they heard the vision, they wanted to be a part of it, etc. So what I'm trying to say, it, it's it's constantly building those pipelines. You cannot ever wait for the opportunity. You have to be positioned that you're open to like everything all the time and you just keep collecting contacts or like i said very straightforward you know that you're not the person for it you know you know that you're not good because some people are just they're not good with other people like they're much better with code and technology i'm not saying that means every developer is like that or every salesperson is the other way around i'm just saying there, there's people who just don't like that so make sure you have an advisor or a co-founder 
that can handle that part because it's so important. <clears throat> so now we are in the acquisition process. Can you tell me a little bit about the logistics? I, I know that it's very, um, it's very problematic to have everything in order. The, the, the finances, the, I mean, can we speak generally about the entire acquisition process? Yeah, we, we can speak in general terms, in all honesty. It, it really depends. But uh, first things first, um, you want to make sure. And I'll, I'll okay, so I'll, I'll give you, um, I'll, I'll jump in and, and, you know, share, you know, some of the things that, that, that are generally not good. And I'll just talk overall uh, about the process, right? Because it can be very quick, you know, it can be like a month or two um, and all you want to, so you, you got to make sure, you know, you have a clean cap table, um, you know, it's very clear who's in the business, who are the founders, you know, uh, how much and why, you know, they own certain things. And um, you also want to make sure, um, you also want to make sure that the, the financials, the accounting is as general um, as possible, so it follows general principles, and it's not, you know, um, something you you just, you know, you're just doing on a on a, on a spreadsheet uh, occasionally. So um, if and, and again, this is this is really hard because you are a bootstrap startup. Every day matters. Like every day you wake up, you know, thinking how to grow, how to scale, and then by the time you you go from your room to your office, or you know, you walk to work, like there's like 50 fires you need to handle, right? And it's just so damn hard. However, nonetheless, try and optimize. As a, as a, as a CEO, you, you have a couple of important things, which is making sure that there's enough funding, enough cash in the bank, right? No matter how you get to it. Um, you need to ensure that the vision is very clear so that everyone's hitting in the same direction. And you really need to ensure that, in my mind, that you're resourceful for everything else, for talent, for media, for, you know, pretty much anything else. So those are your three kind of key tasks. Um, and you got to make sure you're optimizing the financials, you're optimizing the systems so that should the time arrive, you don't spend too much time in due diligence and, and all that. Um, so that's one of the things. The most important thing I would say is that you are a good match. So if we're talking acquisition, if we're talking another player coming to you, wanting to acquire you, what can they acquire you for? Well, they can acquire you for assets, um, the IP, intellectual property, right? They can acquire you for, 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 for talent if you have some really unique people that you know can get stuff done and um, you know have been there, done that, and you just care a lot about the team or you just need to scale, they can acquire you for your customer base or all of that together, right? Those are, those are different things that you can be acquired for. Um, um, and so in our case, it was all this together, but primarily the market we play in, well, I wouldn't say primarily, but the market we play in and the tech we have for that market. Um, there was a huge potential to make a bridge between um, the vanilla soft technology and our technology and really, you know, to be a very strong player in the small and then medium-sized businesses, right? Very strong player. Um, so that was the idea. And I think that is one of the most important things. If people on the both sides of the table are um, very clear on their objectives and what they're trying to achieve, and then in the due diligence, and then you get the offer, LOI, you get the offer, and then the next important thing is that all these things that you just mentioned and shared 
are actually factual and truthful, etc. And then you organize the plans, you know, whether it's a, um, it's a, you know, 100% cash, or it's a little bit of cash now, and then should these things, um, and I think that's a really good way of doing it, like, should these things um, be as you said, uh, you unlock more and more, and then eventually, um, you get the uh, full amount, or you take like let's say 15 20 percent uh in another company in options right those are those are different different ways and the different process how it happens uh but you know for 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 in it's just in in every respect i believe that sharing cake and first growing cake and then sharing it is the most important thing i don't i truly don't believe in you know self-made people and people who are just like, oh, I'll do everything by myself. There are those and I applaud them and I understand their journey, but that's not my cup of cake. I think, you know, there are experts in different areas. And if, for instance, I'm going to negotiate with someone from Silicon Valley who has, you know, 10, 15 years more experience than I do, you know what? I'm just getting, I'm getting someone who can help me set up the right framework um, because it's not going to be good in the near term future um, if someone's unhappy, you gotta create a win-win environment for everybody. And if you do that, um, then you have the first principle to move, uh, onto a next stage. I mean, you're going to work with these guys for a year, 18 months, two years, depending on the contract, right? So you gotta respect each other and you gotta be clear on what's coming next. Otherwise it's just not going to be, not going to be useful. Right. And, and do you think we can optimize? Acquisition. I mean, look, we have uh, micro acquire tiny mm. capital that allow. Mm-hmm. Okay, Microsoft actually to to sell their companies. Microsoft founders they can mm-hmm. sell the companies through the platform and they take away the hassle. But yes. obviously they can go in depth. I mean, we can't expect at the moment huge companies selling for huge money. But right. what do you think about this uh, tendency to automate this process? Oh, I think I think we're definitely getting there. It's just a matter of time because you need to think also like different systems um, as the world is becoming more global. Like actually, I don't know if it's becoming or not. Like we'll see in the next next couple of years. But let's say, um, well, you'll for sure have decentralization. And I think you you have one of the questions is like which book you'd recommend. But there's we we'll get to that, right? Um, there's there's different different books, and and I I think the world is is kind of getting more and more decentralized. We'll see in the next ten to fifty years. But going back to your question, is it going to become easier and better? Absolutely, like almost at like 100%. Because if you think SaaS in when Salesforce was starting and SaaS now, like everyone can start SaaS. Like you don't you don't need to be good a sales guy to start SaaS as a as a dev. You don't need to be a good developer, uh, you know, to start SaaS. You can go no code, right? It's so easy. So same thing will happen with acquisitions. And and I, I personally acquired a few small projects, I wouldn't even say startups, like a few projects um, on different platforms. Um, um, and, you know, it's it's a really good experience. I mean, um, there's there's a lot of, a lot of um, uh, not suitable projects, I'd say, and projects that don't have legs, but there's also a lot of high quality projects. And, you know, there, there's people with revenue. And if you have themes and playbooks and you can turn that, you know, you can you can run the 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 the, uh, the process one more time or a couple of times. It really makes sense to um, get a 30, 50k MRR project and then just take it to the next level. Um, 
so like so many optionalities and i think the the world of SaaS and and, and startups in, in technology space specifically is like um it's going to get better and better for sure actually i read a quote from the ceo at webflow um uh, he said it in 2021 now recently he said that uh, at the moment we have only 10 percent of the SaaS companies we could have because we didn't have the tools to build the more complex yeah. Uh, the solutions yes. to more complex problems. So it's, it's. I mean, we have like, what, 15 years since we have this concept of SaaS companies and we're yeah. simply, we're just starting. Yeah, we're just starting, exactly, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, look at like, look how old is Stripe. Like before Stripe, it was, it was extremely hard to like collect payments and, you know, and now you have, you don't have Stripe, you have multiple other companies. Um, and so everything is becoming a lot easier. Like, and, and so you can, we can expect that more traditional businesses will get decentralized and um, uh, modernized with, uh, with the spread of technology, 100%. Now, going back to you. So mm-hmm. you and your team, you sold AutoClose, but once an entrepreneur, always entrepreneur, you couldn't stay still. You had to do something else and you launched Lead Delta. So right. I would like to, for you to tell me a little bit about the Delta and the story behind it. How did you come up with this idea? No, absolutely. Um, so, so one of the key strategies with uh, with AutoClose that we that we implemented, and so we were very big on LinkedIn, um, and we we've connected with a lot of people. We've shared, like you know, everything went went social, um, and you know, and and LinkedIn played a huge role in it. So, in 2020, just right before COVID hit. I've been looking at different indie projects and been acquiring small tools and, you know, uh, playing around um, because it helped me, right? It helped me influence uh, the development of AutoClose and really think about the product. And so I was always passionate about buying different software, testing it out. It's just an awesome thing. Um, and so there was this this product by a German developer who now also works works with me on this. Um, and he was, he was selling his LinkedIn app and it was horrible like in a sense that uh on the front like you have nothing right like it's just it's not usable in that sense but i did hang out a lot with developers enough to understand that this is something like this is a good project um and then actually because we were we were in auto close we were we were uh, already negotiating to sell it and, and whatnot and i was really thinking about what do i want to do because do i really want to build on top of linkedin uh when linkedin doesn't want you there basically. And so I was very clear. Um, I tested the market. I talked to multiple people. They were like, yeah, you know, we, we need some sort of a better way to manage LinkedIn connections, uh, applying tags. No, it's like, no, we, we need those things because LinkedIn is not making it easier for us. Mm-hmm. However, I knew I do not want to go against LinkedIn. And so I said, no scraping, no automation, you know, F automation. Like I'm not going to automate anything. We're just going to make a beautifully looking product for people to um, use their connections because for, for years, there's been a trend on LinkedIn. We just keep connecting and go, Oh, I have this many connections. Oh, I have this. Oh, I have that. But what do you actually do with them? You know, there's only less than 1% people post on LinkedIn. Uh, once still, a week at least. still, this was so, the same statistics two years ago. Oh yeah. No. I, I, so how do I know? Um, I looked at, we did a little quick, uh, quick and dirty analysis of our profiles and, um, on average, we have 3,000. Our, our typical user has 3,000 connections. I have like 15, 18, 20. I don't even know anymore. And so we looked at, you know, how many people posted in the last week and we ran the test for a week. 
uh, and it's less than 1%. Um, less than 5% engage in a conversation and, uh, and, and comment, right? But people are active and they are on the platform and they consume and they read. So our whole premise was, you know, let's make LinkedIn a better place, you know, less spam, less red alerts and noisy, uh, noisy stuff and more, more professionals being proactive about the platform. So we, we, we went out with a simple table, almost like a CRM, a social CRM. That's guess what? Not empty because when you buy HubSpot, Salesforce, whatever it takes you like six months to set it up and it's empty. Like you don't have no data in there with lead Delta, you get in, you give us approval to get to fetch your first degree connections and all of a sudden boom you have all these amazing people uh that now you can you know start conversations with you can you can organize them in different sorts of groups um and 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 you know just help or ask to be helped whether you're hiring selling marketing you name it uh you'd use the platform um and so it was cooking and slowly like we've designed screens we've asked for feedback we did everything the right way in all honesty because we did everything tiny. And I posted about it the other day on LinkedIn. Everything in a startup needs to be tiny, tiny conversations, tiny products, tiny features. Um, because if you do it that way, um, you get immediate response, immediate uh, uh, feedback from the, from the market. Plus you don't get stuck because if you get stuck in a startup, I mean, you're done. <laughs> Because that is the only edge, the only benefit that you have against big organizations because you can move fast. You're so nimble, right? Um, and so it's important. Like in, instead of writing huge essays on Slack, you know, do the quick next step. Ask the quick first question that you need answers to in order to do something. So um, and that's what we did. And so I managed to accumulate amazing talent. Um, we stayed very lean, um, you know, just a few hours engagement and, and so on. And I still had auto close at the time and then vanilla soft for the next year, the contract, but this was a thing on a side. I always openly said, I'm passionate about software. I keep building and buying software. So like, I mean, that, that's, that's what I do on a side. Um, and instead of me selling, because I really couldn't, I didn't have time for it. I had a whole bunch of affiliates that were passionate about the product. So that's how we grew the, to first, like maybe like thousand customers, um, Delta. So it took some time from idea to launch. I mean, to official launch, considering that you were an auto close and we were you were just doing tiny steps. Right, and so yes and no. So so we launched it officially, quote unquote, in in um, what was it uh, May last year? So a few months ago. Yeah. Because that's when we had billing and whatnot. But in all honesty, we took it to market in like two months. We redesigned it like it was it was as bad so my, my, my marketing friend he came to me he's like man like i like the platform even with this but your 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 refer a friend button doesn't work what's wrong with you like fix that and i'm like well, listen we plan to launch we couldn't fix all of that i couldn't provide the right form so we just went f it like let's go with it so and that's exactly the right behavior because if people want better that means that they want the app they're using the app and even up to, up to this day um we like to ship in increments Every week we ship something new, every week, every Tuesday at, at this point in time. Um, and after 10 iterations, we do one bigger feature, but again, version one, and then we do version 1.1, 1.2. So we keep shipping every week and people love that. So you're shipping features mm -hmm. every week? Yes. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I had a question. I saw that you, I mean, in one of your interviews, you said that you have a roadmap. 
-hmm. where people can go and obviously uh, yeah. they have their requests they maybe they want yeah. can upvote the most popular feature so how do you actually combine uh, people's requests with your product vision because it, it's quite difficult to maintain the balance of people can want one thing but you have a different product vision absolutely so um it is very important to understand the roles um and that's what i what i what i really i try to to share with my um with my with my users i try to share with them that um you know how henry ford says yeah. uh, you know what what users want right they want to yeah, they want a faster horse faster horse right it's the same thing here so what they want they want colors on tags they want uh and or they want like so they want everything about tags they want to turn my business into a tag feature but and, and that's fine you should not be annoyed you should educate your customers or users however you want to call them that you are the expert but they're the users meaning they have problems so they need to talk about their problems their past uh behavior and and what they miss about the product what they miss on the market and how how can we improve their process is basically the, the question. Can we save them money? Can we make them money? Can we, um, you know, um, can we, can we comply with certain law and legal and help them that way? Can we save them time? Whatever it is, right? Like that is, that is the key question. So what we try and do is we respectfully, um, we answer to every comment and we, we, we answer with a question, right? We want to learn a bit more about it. And then usually we arrive at the same uh, conclusion because again you're a customer i'm a customer we're all we're human beings right so we it's if we uh, if we're rational about it and if we walk through it uh together we probably will arrive at the same conclusion so it's it's not that hard and in all honesty it's one of the reasons why people love lead delta because they're so such a huge part of it right they're a big part of our, our roadmap and and how the future looks like so mm -hmm. Yeah. They feel they're participating in the growth and of the they product. They absolutely are, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. also, I, I heard you you saying uh, during one interview that you actually, you had like around 80 Zoom calls when you launched the Delta. Yes. So you were searching for patterns, you were searching for use cases. I mean, that's a very interesting strategy because also yes. people, they get to know a little bit more about Lead Delta. And you actually said that you had like a demo session of 60 seconds, like one minute, because there wasn't too much to show, but you yeah. used the rest of the time to just, Pick the brain of your uh, yeah. of your leads. Can you tell me more about that? No, absolutely, and it's exactly how it was. So, um, so most of the first users, again, um, it's a plain platform. What I mean, there's nothing to demo. Uh, however, I use that um, as a, as a kind of strategy to really get to know them and 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 kind of learn more about the product. And you've got to think of your early customers, early users, as pioneers, leaders on the market. Like no formed professional. Or you know someone who's, um, I mean, I don't know how to know how to describe. Like no person that that doesn't like to try new things uh, will be your early customer. So your early customers are already okay with you not working with things, but what they are not okay with is you not giving a damn about them. They're not okay with that. Um, so so to me, it was always okay to spend like five, 10, 15 minutes at most. With my customers because i save them time i save myself a time i get to learn something about them and how they use linkedin and, and other networking platforms um and it was just awesome and and i you know honesty um i didn't prepare much for the call i had three questions you know like i i, I don't even remember like it was you know um 
how do you how do you come to lead Delta? You know, what problem did you expect it's going to solve? Uh, you know, um, how do you use LinkedIn? Why do you use LinkedIn for things like that? So I had like three to five standard questions that are more open-ended questions. Like there's no like list, yes, no list, because we, you never know where the conversation will take you. Because what you want to do is you want to ask that first why. So take them one step back before the solution and, do, and then do a couple of more. Not necessarily wise, but take them a couple of steps back. So while they were walking to the store to pick something up, what was on their mind? Why did they even start walking towards the store? Why didn't why did they even you know wake up that morning and like went about their business? Right? Like those are the, the key details. Then you really understand the mindset, then you really understand what the core problem is. And so um so those are those were the type of conversations. And in all honesty, I got really comfortable with them. So I would record, share with my team. That was awesome. Um, some of the users, I was just mind blown on the call because again, I didn't prepare too much for the call not to have um, uh, any judgment about their roles and et cetera. Um, so I would just look who they are and whatnot. And before one call, I had a, an ex chief operating officer of Bosch, uh, Germany. I was like, holy crap, right? Like, I mean, it, wow, you know, <laughs> how did he even hear about us? And so that's, and then I had like executive visa at Visa uh, New York, and I had like a whole bunch of people like that from Silicon Valley, some CEOs and, and Texas-based uh, kind of famous CEOs. And I'm like, wow. I mean, first you're embarrassed um, and, and you're like, like, why are they even using this, right? Like you, you're in denial that, you know, what you have is useful to somebody. Um, but then also like it, it, it was... Um, it was very motivational, right? Because and inspirational, because these guys are like, they have a problem that you are trying to solve. And this is when I learned that copywriting, oh, oh my God, like copywriting is amazing. Like if you, you can literally test ideas with the proper copywriting, you don't have to do anything, you know, and just follow the conversions. And if people are coming and sharing and inviting, et cetera, right? they're impatient to get your product. I mean, copywriting is so awesome. <laughs> there is you know? a, a, there's actually a, um, a strategy fake test uh, a company uh -huh. from france actually the founders they they didn't have the product they launched so many products they failed they said okay this time we'll validate the idea so they created a, a, a dashboard a fake dashboard and they published it on facebook on a group of entrepreneurs in uh, france and they got like 200 something uh, comments people saying yes yes we want that where where should we sign up yeah, and yeah. they didn't have the product i mean like this was just the design so yeah that, that's a very interesting approach in, yeah, in, in all honesty, like it's it's awesome because our, our premise was this is for digital creators, for entrepreneurs, busy entrepreneurs, busy CEOs, like this is for them to better manage their network. Because when they go on LinkedIn, what they have, like a whole bunch of spam, like, you know, I have hundreds of hundred messages, I have sales navigator messages, I have notifications, and it's all red, it's all urgent, and it's all now. And you can get easily distracted instead of being proactive about your network and really like going after people that you intrinsically care about or they can help you or, you know, you should not, if you're a professional with three to five years of experience, you should not ever wonder like, how do I get to a certain developer? How do I get uh, funding? Like you already have these, those people in your network. It's just like, are you using the right keywords, et cetera. Is Lead Delta right now there? Is it the best platform for what I just described? Absolutely not. We're walking towards it, running towards it, right? But that is the vision. That is the goal. And that's why people opted in for Lead Delta. Um, 
and it started with a copywriting. You know, it's just awesome. And now I'm seeing that companies like Lead Delta, they're like filters or like screens for us to be protected from the interface of uh, Twitter, of LinkedIn, we'll just and get only the value without the urgency, without the FOMO, without the right. craziness that happens there. Yeah, and and again, it's 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 superb um, to to get into these networks and 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 just interact with people. But in our whole point is much like what what Google and Apple did, right? Like you can restrict yourself and measure the usage and be like, okay, I'm gonna slow down. I mean, social media is amazing. Come on, like I mean, it's it's great. Uh, LinkedIn is 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 one of the best platforms out there. Twitter, Facebook, if used properly. Yeah. If you don't let your other side of the nature uh, takes charge, right? Um, in that case, you 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 optimize your feeds to follow the content that you want, creators that you want. Um, you share from time to time your stories, so you consume and you contribute, but you do it in a way um, that's not needy and in a way that's not like you know um, killing your attention. So, so, and so, yeah, we just need to fix it. We just need to make it better. I mean, like, it's not evil. It's not black or white. We just need to make it better. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we have a few more questions. Uh, okay. You mentioned pioneers, obviously the people who are first, your first yeah. users. You also described that uh, as a strategy, you actually used a lifetime um, plans for those who subscribe, well, the first ones who subscribe mm -hmm. to the Delta yes. and then you transition to subscriptions. Yes. I I think that is a great opportunity, um, especially for bootstrap founders, especially from founders <clears throat> from different parts of the world, like, you know, who, you know, need to build their media businesses and, and what, because this is very, it's a very interesting promise. Like I, I give you something for a lifetime, meaning for as long as I'm in the business, that, that basically translates into that. You give me some greater amount of cash so that I can sustain my operation. Right. And it's just great. And, and you got a whole bunch of feedback, like, because these people, you know, who hang out on, on these different platforms, such as AppSumo and different platforms, right? They, they, they want to contribute. They want to be part of it. They want to influence and they want to share their opinion and whatnot. So it's very welcoming um, uh, experience, but you need to know what you're getting yourself into because, um, you know, some products, they just can go uh, lifetime because they have ongoing costs. Uh, huge ongoing costs that the operation depends on. And you just, you know, you, you can't offer um, offer a uh, lifetime anything. But again, for the first few months, like doing it for the three months, you get uh, get a solid boost of capital uh, if done right. Um, you got a whole bunch of reviews. You got a whole bunch of people raving about your business. Um, and then you slowly make a switch. Um, and again, I had previous experience with it. I had both good and bad. And so I, I know what are the key indicators and key things you need to um you need to be clear on in order to have success in lifetime deals. And you get like 200, 300,000 million, half a million. I mean, these are not small amounts and it doesn't matter where you're from. Um, so, yeah. so it's good funding. It's very good user-based funding. Now, you, I, I saw that you're big on product hunt. You launched the Delta, you launched yesterday or a few days, no, actually a few days ago, the ebook and you had like what you, you were saying, 800 downloads. Yeah, so, zero spend on ads yes. like how <laughs> yeah so so again it, it comes down to to um uh, you being uh, like a business and also media in one um and it comes down to really providing value instead of like quick and easy gimmicks so then people over time i mean in all honesty like there's no quick 
I'm no good at, you know, quick strategies, like get rich quick. <laughs> like I'm not good at that because I have people who come to me after five, six years, they never reached out to me and they keep naming things that I posted a while ago. And they keep telling me about myself, like, and, and I'm like, wow, these guys are following me for a while and they see the consistency and they see no bullshit. Um, and so then, I mean, that's your media business. Like that's, you know, people gain trust and you don't, uh, compromise that trust. And so when I launch on product hunt or somewhere, you know, it's only natural that people want to consume that because it's, it's for them, it's relevant. Um, and so it's a good, good win-win I'd say. Um, so, so big on product hunt, I think product hunt is just amazing. You know, uh, you, uh, how many, I mean, how many products launch every day, like maybe 50, hundred, something like that, which is crazy amount, but also not so much. Um, and you gain, Again, those early users, if you look at the bell curve, those leaders that are willing to put up with your crap and, you know, features that don't work, et cetera, et cetera, and to also provide feedback, which is all that you need. And so we keep returning back to Product Hunt whenever there's something new that we're launching because, um, you know, it became like a marketplace for for product builders and, and, you know, all sorts of professionals. So it's just one of the channels that we use to kind of officially launch certain things certain features and um, and even like marketing assets and and, and uh, uh, value ebooks that we do from time to time as well so yeah great market great market right right so we have already one hour while talking mm-hmm. is like the time <laughs> without even questions thank you thank you and i would like to finish the trend interview with three quick questions okay. so uh, what SaaS companies do you follow up close right now um so I follow a lot, in all honesty. Uh, currently, I mean, Mike Require is in my face, like wherever I go. Yeah. Because <laughs> Andrew is like just promoting it like crazy. But uh, I do I do follow um, most of the alternative CRMs. Um, and, and as weird as it is, like I can't name a single one right now because there's so many notion alike CRMs that you can mm-hmm. set up yourself. Like it's very easy and, and, and you know, and quick because I'm playing in that space. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, there, there's no particular, but I'm trying to actually hang out with founders a bit more. And so I, I, I do my lunches with founders usually, you know, I do like 15, 20 minute calls uh, with people and just kind of learn about their business and how they think. Because in all honesty, um, even Product Hunt, all these places, right? Like you keep, you see what the trends are, what people like and enjoy, et cetera. And you're trying to connect that and embed that in your strategies and products that you do. So I try and be out there as much as possible, buying, trying new software all the time. Uh, a, a tiny detour. You said in one of your LinkedIn posts that you missed out on lots of trends because you weren't studying trends. But as an yes. entrepreneur, you have to study trends. So I'm right. very, very uh, like a person curiosity. What are the trends that you're studying right now or you're noticing right now? That's that's awesome. So so I'm I'm, I'm studying. Uh, I'm trying to understand crypto like really and NFTs, but beyond the hype, right? Because again, look at the best AR VR companies right now. Uh, they they merged out of the hype because they were never even part of the hype. Like they understood the technology intrinsically and they built for it, right? Um, so I think, you know, the future is decentralized in many ways. Um, how I think about it, it's in very simplistic terms. I mean, look at the kids nowadays. Uh, like they don't, you know, they think that everything is a tablet or, or a mobile phone or a touchscreen. 
and you know they enjoyed concerts on freaking zoom like i'll never understand it because i'm not wired that way but you know what they are and there will be concerts online there will be virtual events there will be virtual things um i don't think it's black or white it's just going to be virtual Mm. never i don't think that's going to happen but it's going to be prevalent and so how are we going to trade are we going to carry cash so what are we going to carry we're going to carry crypto um which crypto uh, I don't think even like Bitcoin found, founder or founders can tell you which one. But, um, you know, that, I mean, that that's how I think about it. And now I try and learn all the intricacy of of the um, of the crypto. Um, but I did I did completely but like completely miss on AR VR. Like I didn't like I, I can't even remember what was before that. But that was. A, yeah. So uh, uh, internet of things mm-hmm. right that was a big thing at once um with cisco systems and and that whole and again like real businesses are emerging but then uh the, the the media companies and everybody else are just tweeting it i mean i had a call the other day and a guy's like oh no i'm a big on bitcoin crypto um web 3.0 decentralized companies you should do this with lead delta you should do that and i'm like listening and i, I just can't <laughs> believe because he literally mentioned all the buzzwords, including ML and AI. And, and I'm just like, guys, like just build value. And then once you stumble upon a problem, then you look for technology to solve it. And it might be AI, but it might be just, I don't know, tech from the 2000s. Like who cares, right? Build the value, solve the problem. That is the key. And what I try and do is look at the trends, uh, both in the social aspect trends and the technological trends and the political trends so that I can position myself my family my businesses around it properly that's that's all that it is and we can't be lazy about it i was lazy in my early 20s but can't be lazy on that great answer uh question number two what's your personal tech stack uh personal 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 yeah okay so um i'm i I am big on google still so i like all the all around g suite or google workspace including the calendar that i live in sadly or happily (laughs) so i i do use slack even personally for uh funnily enough with my wife like in our projects it's it's on slack we also uh do use notion um so notion is amazing it's 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 something that you can um you know easily tweak and organize um, I usually Delta personal personal obviously. thing, obviously, uh, because at the they're, moment they're, uh-huh. they're saying it's like eating your uh, dog food. But um, yes. the CEO at Miro, Andre Kushit, he said we are drinking our own champagne. <laughs> exactly, that's yeah. much better, yeah. much better way to say it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm literally looking at my computer, and I, I use Audible a lot. So I, I listen to a lot of books lately, um, and. Uh, you know, and, and I finally, I managed to implement the, 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 the switch that in the morning I do business, but before bed, I do like fiction and I do stories and like, I, awesome. because for years I've been listening to business books and, 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 you know, um, business stories like before bed. And it's the worst thing that you can do because what happens is you get out of the bed and you just go work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is, yeah. My partner call, calls them handbooks. I won't buy you handbooks, manuals, <laughs> buy no, fiction. Yeah. Exactly. And Actually. the last question, since we're talking yes. about books, yeah. um, please recommend us some books. Doesn't matter, fiction, nonfiction. What, what, what impressed you, and what would you recommend? So I, I really, so a lot of things that I, I'm, I'm easily like impressed guy with books. Like I just consume them 
quite a bit, but I can tell you. So what I have uh, on a table right now, so I, I'm rereading the um, the um, high output management. Um, oh yeah, so this have, this book has been recommended by lots of CEOs. It's it's a very good book. Um, so I I do that one. I'm rereading, and it's funny that I'm saying rereading because I just like when I find something good, I just write I like to consume it. Um, the sovereign individual, uh, an amazing book about <laughs> decentralization and the and the world. It's a dark book in so many ways, but a really good book. Um, I have uh, Nirial Hooked. Uh, I never really read it. I, I went over it multiple times, but never really read it. So I have it here um, for certain tests. Um, and um, I'm I'm listening to Henry Ford, uh, an amazing book. You learn how nothing changes, Victoria. Like nothing changes. Like the guy was talking about the importance of follow up in sales and marketing, like hundred years ago. Um, they were talking about electrical vehicles, and 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 there was a really big push back then. Uh, and I'm like, wow. Well. Do we even innovate? Like, I mean, tech, tech changes, but we humans, we are just so, and it's, it's just very, very funny. Um, and another thing that I do before bed is uh, Sherlock Holmes. I really like Sherlock. Oh, and nice. uh, and uh, so I'm just uh, re-listening some audiobooks and it's just, it's a good laugh before bed. And just, it's awesome. Well, I would like to continue this conversation for another two hours, but <laughs> I, I know that you have a business to run. So Life thank you very is, yeah. much. Yeah. Thank you very much for being here and for this you, extremely insightful conversation. It was a pleasure to have you here. And I'm sure that our listeners discovered plenty of actionable and ready to use insights from you. In all honesty, Victoria, if, if one person finds any of this useful, like uh, we, we did our job. So thank you exactly. for, for, for hosting me. Thank you very much, Vedran, and thank you all for listening till the end. Wish you all a great morning, day, afternoon, or evening. Till next time.